Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Redhead Boy podcast hosted by me, Harry Allen. I'm back after my two weeks off. Hope everyone had a good two weeks. Hope you were more productive than I had planned to be. I wasn't particularly... (laughs) I didn't really do much, to be honest. I just relaxed. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back and I got a good one today. I am going to be chatting about some of my favourite summer time films. So, super looking forward to doing that. Obviously, you guys are welcome to chime in. Let me know after this episode is released of what is some of your favourite summertime films. So, let's crack on with the episode. So, the way my list is going to work, it doesn't have any numbers, so there's no number system. These are just five films uh, that I love, and also they're set in summertime, so they're not the normal, like, summertime blockbusters. These are just some some of my favourite films that are set in summer. So... Let's dive into the list, and my first one is the 2014 comedy that is Chef. You want to keep going or you want to stop? I want to keep going. Okay, keep going, keep going. Go, little man. Come out, help him with the banana ketchup and the yuca fry. Go with the chili, the chili vinegar. Good job, good job. Don't be cheap. Hold on one second, it's coming. Is that enough? It's perfect. Here you go. The yuca frita. It's perfect. And that was a little extract, extract, Christ, extract from the film Chef. It is written and directed by the multi-talented John Favreau, the creative genius behind the new Star Wars TV show, The Mandalorian, and many, many other things, including the live-action Lion King that came out last year. I had to think about that. And it is a charming film that follows John Favreau in the leading role. And he plays a head chef that quits his restaurant job and buys a food truck in effort to redeem his creative promise while picking back in, into his estranged family. Now, I love this film because it just makes me hungry. The way the food is shot in this film, and the food is beautiful. Uh, There's a great cast in this, including the amazing, the amazing, the amazing, the amazing... Uh, What's her name? What's her name? Lost her name. Here we go. 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 Yeah, we have an amazing cast in here, including Scarlett Johansson, Dustin Hoffman... 
Sophia Vega, the woman out of Modern Family. She's so funny in this. She plays John Favreau's ex-wife. And if you guys haven't seen this film, you need to, because it's just a charming little film that will definitely make you want to have Mexican food <laughs> after watching it. The food just looks beautiful, makes me so hungry. And the cheese, the cheese sandwiches that they make in this film, the cheese toasties, apparently John Favreau, when he directed the film, what uh, during takes they would have, John would make these cheese toasties for all the crew. So that is my first one on the list, which is Chef. Check it out. Um, I believe it is on Netflix. And also check out The Chef Show, which was like a spin-off from the film, but it's an actual cooking show starring John Favreau. So definitely check that one out. It's even made me hungry uh, <laughs> thinking about Chef. <laughs> the food is just so great in that film. So my next one on the list is the 1986 Stephen King film adaptation, and it is Stand By Me. In all our lives, there's a fall from innocence. A time after which we are never the same. in the summer of 1959, a long time ago, but only if you measure it in terms of years. You guys want to go see a dead body? I bet you anything that if we find him, we'll get our pictures in the paper. Yeah, yeah, we can even be on TV. film it's just a classic um i love this film i need to i did not get a chance before recording this to re-watch it so i need to re-watch it 
but the times that I have, I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I love a good coming-of-age film, to be honest. Uh, there's a The cast is great, a great group of lads, inc- including Will Wheaton, the late great River Phoenix, Coy Fieldman, and it's just a great film. So the film's about, which I shall give you the synopsis, after the death of one of his friends, a writer recounts a childhood journey of his friends to find the body of a missing boy. (laughs) And these group of lads find out that there is a body on the other side of the train tracks in their town so they go out and search for it and while doing that they sort of have a realization the group that this could possibly be the last summertime they have together and the group of friends have a great dynamic and it's them addressing getting older and things changing. I know that this is still to date Stephen King's favourite film adaptation of his material. Apparently, when Rob Reiner showed the film, Stephen King was just silent and he had to remove himself from the room and then came back and said that it was the best film adaptation he had seen of his material and of course as you heard earlier we got that classic stand by me song uh which is a lovely it's a beautiful song really and it's just a great film to watch it's always nice to watch a coming of age film of a group of kids going on an adventure I think those type of films are really cool. And it takes you back to your your own childhood, you know, hanging around with your friends, trying to find stuff to do in the summer, which to me back in the day, six weeks used to feel so long. <laughs> I remember six weeks used to feel so long. And now you get to the age where you got older in school and six weeks used to go like that super quick. So I 100% recommend you watching Stand By Me if you haven't already. Yes, it's just a good film. And I, and I think there's this emotional connection to it because obviously it stars River Phoenix who sadly passed away too young and he's brilliant in this film. He would have been a brilliant actor, the same as his... Crazy brother, Joaquin Phoenix. Moving on quickly to my next one on the list, which is the 1954 Hitchcock classic, Rear Window. I can smell trouble right here in this apartment. First you smash your leg, then you get to looking out the window, see things you shouldn't see, trouble. Big going on somewhere. It's a big night. 
Well, it's just an old run-of-the-mill Wednesday. It's opening night of the last depressing week of L.B. Jeffries in a cast. I just, I just can't figure it. He went out several times last night in the rain carrying his sample case. Well, he's a salesman, isn't he? A salesman's looking out of his window, you see. That's no ordinary look. That's the kind of a look a man gives when he's afraid somebody might be watching him. There's nothing to see. There is something. I've seen it through that window. I've seen bickering and family quarrels and mysterious trips at night, knives and saws and ropes. And now since last evening, not a sign of the wife. It's a secret private world you're looking into out there. People do a lot of things in private that couldn't possibly explain in public. Sitting around looking out of the window to kill time is one thing, but doing it the way you are with binoculars and, and wild opinions about every little thing you see. Let's start from the beginning again, Jeff. Tell me everything you saw. Pretty private stuff going on out there. Rear Window is probably one of Hitchcock's most well known films. It came out in the 50s, and that's when Hitchcock sort of got into his stride. I think a lot of people don't realise that he'd been making films for a very long time, but in the 50s was when he sort of got his stride of filmmaking. Now, the opening shots of this film is incredible. It practices that whole filmmaking technique that we get drummed in at film school. I remember looking at the opening scene of this film in film school and the film opens up and the shots tell you everything that you need to know at the very beginning of the film. So we know where the film is set, we know what time of year it's set, we see huge temperatures, so it's set in the summertime. We're introduced to our main character, Jeff, who is played by the great James Stewart. Jeff, or Jeffries, is a photographer. And yeah, we are told that he is a photographer just through shots. And then we see. We don't get told the character's name. We see Jeffries sitting in a wheelchair, pointing outside, looking outside to his neighbours who are dealing with these, with the super hot weather of the summer. And we see a cast with his name on that says, here lies L.B. Jeffries on his cast. Um, the opening shot is just incredible, showing all this information. And this film has a great theme running through it, through the entire thing, where 
Hitchcock treats the audience as smart viewers. And the premise in this film is great. It's great. It's brilliant, really. It's about this, the protagonist, Jeffrey. He's immobile in a wheelchair. And after suffering an accident, after taking photos of fast cars, and he's immobile. So the only thing he can do is look out the window and spy on his neighbours opposite with his binoculars. And as he's doing this, he makes judgments of the particular people that live around him. And he becomes convinced that he has witnessed a murder over the way. And it's just brilliant. Hitchcock is always brilliant in building the tension of his films. And the detail in it is great. Brilliant. It also stars the beautifully stunning Grace Kelly. His... I don't I, I don't think it's his girlfriend, but his like potential love interest and yeah, she's trying to persuade him that he has not seen that, not seen the murder take place. And it's just brilliant. The set design in this film is great. Uh you can see how Hitchcock's mind, how he designs films like Matisse, like to the detail. It's beautiful. So if you haven't checked out this Hitchcock classic, Rear Window, then you really need to, because it's great. It's great. It's brilliant. And I know I've said that so many times, but I super enjoy this film. Now, I know I said at the beginning uh, that this list was going to be films uh, just set in, like, summertime, and not particularly summer blockbusters but that was a lie and my next film that is on my list is the one that started it all the one that was the very first blockbuster and that film is the 1975 steven spielberg classic that is jaws Slow 
You're gonna need a bigger boat. Shut off that engine. Now, how could I not include Jaws on my list? This is such a great summertime film, and what I just played is such a iconic moment in the film when we see the shark for the very first time. I think we're like, uh, I think we're like halfway through the film before we actually see the shark physically. I think. Don't don't quote me on that. But I think we're, yeah, we're quite deep into the film before we actually see the shark. That apparently was named Bruce on the set. And this, when Steven Spielberg was directing this, back in probably 74, because it came out in 75, and this was a troubled production. They were constantly having problems with the mechanical shark, like constantly, and delays and delays, to the point that I think they nearly pulled the plug on the film. And that is the whole reason why we don't see a lot of the actual shark, because mechanically it was keep breaking down. And I think that's a moment, you know, when something keeps going wrong but you end up working it within your advantage so in the film we hardly see the shark but the thing that makes it work is the classic the classic the man that is amazing at film scores which is john williams and his classic jaws score Burda. Such clever. I remember watching an interview with Spielberg, this was years ago, and he said he went into a room with John Williams to listen to the music that he had done for Jaws. And John Williams played those two famous notes that we all know of as the Jaws score. And Steven Spielberg laughed and was like, wasn't expecting it to be that simple. But it's amazing how two notes can, can set a theme and create the most famous, I think the most, one of the most famous pieces of film music ever in cinema history. And yeah, it's such a classic film. So for any of you that has been living under a rock 
and has not seen Jaws. It is about when a killer shark unleashes unleashes on a coast beach community. It is up to a local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer to hunt the beast down. The chef is the chef. <laughs> The sheriff is played by Roy. Oh, I knew I wasn't going to say his name right. Knew I wasn't going to say his name right. My dyslexic brain. Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider. Robert Shaw, who plays Quint. He plays the the crazy ex um, seafarer. He's nuts. I love Quint in this film. And Richard. Dreyfus plays the marine biologist Hopper and it's the three of them trying to hunt this fucking massive bastard of a shark. It's huge and the film's just brilliant and the dynamic between the three of them when they eventually go out on the boat to hunt this bastard down is brilliant and there's this haunting scene where Quint retells a story of when he was in the Merchant Navy and when their ship sunk and the men were in the water and being slowly attacked by sharks and eaten. And that particular scene is so intense and so you can Robert Shaw's acting in this is amazing. They're great. Of course that classic score, the the tension that the score builds um as they're trying to hunt down the shark. Well eventually I think that the shark is hunting them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just great cinema. And one of the film that launched Steven Spielberg into the king of the blockbusters, really. Because following this, he did a range of blockbusters hits, including the Indiana Jones films, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, again with re reuniting with Richard, Richard Dreyfus. Uh, which apparently he, he's a bit of a dick in real life, but you don't know. <laughs> he might be all right now. But yeah, my that is my review on Jaws. And if you guys haven't seen it, hurry up and watch it, which I'm sure you've had, but yeah. And if you haven't seen it for a while, go recheck it out. It still holds up. Like, the amount of shark films that come out, and they're just garbage. Like, the other week I watched 47 Meters Under, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't great. It's amazing how you know that it's a mechanical shark, but it still holds up. To me, it still holds up. And it's just a classic. An utter classic.
And now my final one on my summertime movie list. And that is the 2017 drama romantic film that is Call Me By Your Name. Perduto tutto, sono povera, povera, povera. That sounds different. Did you change it? Well, I changed it a little bit. Why? I just played it the way Liszt would have played it if he'd altered Bach's version. Play that again. Play what again? The thing you played outside. Oh, you want me to play the thing I played outside? Please. Ah. change it again. Oh, I changed it a little bit. Yeah, why? I just played it the way Buzzoni would have played it if he'd altered Liszt's version. And what is wrong with Bach, the way Bach would have played Bach's Bach version? never wrote it for the guitar. In fact, we're not even sure Bach Forget wrote it. Forget I asked. young Bach. He dedicated it to his brother. I have so much love for this film. It's such a beautiful film to me and I feel like it's going to be, people are going to be looking back and say how much of a beautiful romantic classic this film is going to be. So it follows this young very smart, very cultured young 17-year-old Elio that stars Timothy Chalamet and he's living in Italy with his family, his mum and dad and this older man comes to stay with the family for the summer which is his dad's uh, assistant, assistant for his work. And yeah, this older man called Oliver, played by Army Hammer. And over the summer, this beautiful romance blossoms between the two of them. And It's just beautiful. Uh, the chemistry between Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet is off the chain in this film. Uh, it's directed by Luca 
Gal, oh, I'm going to butcher that, so I'm going to get my laptop to read it out. <laughs> here we go, here we go. Luca Guadagnino. Luca Guadagnino. And, yeah, the performances between the two leads are beautiful. Actually, between the entire cast are amazing. Yeah, just the chemistry between the two of them and the Stuart and the journey between how their relationship, romantic relationship, inspires. And the film is set in Italy at their family home. And it's just beautiful. It just makes me want to go on holiday, this film. And I just think it's a beautiful LGBT Q plus film. I just love it. Such a great film. Yeah, the performances are great, as I said. Michael Solbert, the guy that plays his dad. Um, Michael Stolberg. Thank you. <laughs> He's amazing in this. There's this brilliant, intense scene where Oliver has left or is just about to leave because the summer is over and his father, Elio's father, can tell that they have become deeply fond of each other and the dad and the son sit down and he discuss how he had a similar love for someone back in his youth. And it's just a beautiful, intense, amazing performance by Michael Stun. Oh, I can't read names today. Sorry, my dyslexic brain. <laughs> Michael Stolberg. Michael Stolberg. It's just his de delivery is brilliant. Yeah, there's so much I could say about this film. So much. The film almost like plays out like a memoir of like someone reflecting back on, you know, a family time where they're reflecting back on a time in the summertime where this happened. It's very like intellectual and this like sexual awakening for Elio played brilliantly by Timothy Chalamet. This is the film that has launched him into a career as a leading man. He's gone on to do many other, uh, featuring many other great films, including Lady Bird, Beautiful Boy, we also have the Denis Villeneuve adaptation of Dune, which he stars as the lead character. And yeah, it's such a beautiful film. I just find it so beautiful. And as a gay man myself, I just, I, yeah, I just love the film. It's such a beautiful film. And you guys should check it out. Yeah, so beautiful. Love it. Love it. And I can't wait 
because it's an adaptation of a book named the same name and there's a sequel book so I can't wait for the sequel film to come out which I know hopefully will happen because I just love this film love it so yeah go check that one out if you haven't yeah definitely go check it out yeah it might make you think about peaches differently but definitely go check it out <laughs> so that was my summertime list of movies hope you guys have enjoyed this episode episode 16 of the red head boy podcast yeah i super loved going through those films and i super want to just go and re-watch them all now <laughs> i might have to do that so until next time you guys take care and i thought i'd end this episode today with some very well related music for you so you guys enjoy <laughs>